flowers, snowflakes, amusements, sweets. Long ago, the four nations lived in harmony. Then, everything changed when the fourth realm attacked. Only the princess, leader of all four realms, could stop them. But when the world needed her most, she vanished. A hundred years has passed, and the other regents and I discovered the new princess, a young girl boss named Clara. And although her STEM skills are great, she has a lot to learn before she's ready to save anyone. But I believe Clara can save the realms. Hops and box office flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Merry, merry, and happy, happy, loyal listeners. Welcome to the 87th edition of Hops and Box Office Flops, the first in our Hops and Holiday Flops series. And ho, 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 holy shit, are we coming out of the gate strong with 2018's The Nutcracker and the Four Realms. Boo! I, Captain Cash, am the regent of the Land of Sweets. And with me are Mayor McCheese and the Thunderous Wizard, regents of the kingdoms of flowers and snowflakes, respectively. To the extreme, I rock the mic like a vandal. Oh, is that a different ice? No, that, that works. That's okay. totally... Yeah. You're, yeah, you're I definitely... Got, I got no rap intro for the Land of Flowers. I Just mean, you could. I don't know what it would be. I'm not putting that much effort into this movie. First things first, man. You're messing with the worst. I'll be sticking pins in your head like a fucking nurse. I don't and know. Never Hailing mind. from the dastardly fourth realm, you have just heard the Chumpzilla, who is consorts with rats. This Mice. is true. Da, 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 da. Dirt McGirt. As always, we are presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com. You can find the pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hops and B.O. Flops. Leave us a comment on what movie you'd like to hear us do next. Uh, Mayor McCheese, where on the internet can our fan... Hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. Yep, find you. Uh, I am at HBOF McCheese. Lovely. Thunderous Wizard, where might you be found? When I am not growing icicles from my chin and having ridiculously long icicle fingers, you can find me at WriterTLK on Twitter and ice skating at your local park because everything I do involves fucking ice. (laughs) I mean, you got that Elsa hookup though, right? No, she won't return my calls anymore. No, that's fair. Not shocking. Yep. All right. And, uh, Chumpzilla, when you are not hanging out in the fourth realm with your creepy clown friends, where might you be found? You better come packed with a fat rubber stack. When you step through to the old dirty Chumpzilla, you can find me on Twitter at Chumpzilla8. I feel like that would have worked better if you'd have done something from Insane Clown Posse. That yeah. really would have. I Magnets. How, the How fuck do, they do they work? work? How do That's they work? Thing. If I could translate what Chumzilla was saying, it's just when I'm not sitting inside the larger clown's stomach in the rushing nesting doll of terror, uh, you can find me at. Because uh, you know, usually he's too. just hanging out in there, you know, peeling it's, potatoes. Yeah, my best it's friends like are, bag. in fact, Russian nesting clown dolls. Yes. Nice. Uh, this is true. And we do drink a lot of uh, Fago soda. So there you go. <laughs> do with I that remember. what you will. I remain C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most of your social media. And just Tonight, remember, God made dirt and dirt bust your ass. 
Thank you, old dirty. <clears throat> you really are the old dirty of the pod. Anyway, moving on. The beer for tonight, if you are drinking along at home, we are celebrating Evil Genius Beer Company's I'll Have What She's Having, uh, largely because I need whatever drugs Kiera Knightley was on while she was filming this in order to just watch it. Also, it is an Imperial Hazelnut Stout, which will certainly crack your nuts at an impressive 9.4 ABV. So this is right up the old Captain Cash Alley. So let's give her an open and a taste. You might as well have a beer that can crack your nuts because there are no nutcrackers to be seen in this movie. I mean, mm. there is there is a titular nutcracker. He is. We are told he is a nutcracker. Uh, we are to assume that evidence against our eyes. And there's one toy nutcracker, I think, if I remember That is correctly. true. There is a single... Wow, that's good. That's sweet. And to be fair, Captain Cash is also a very big When Harry Met Sally fan. That's yeah. true. Big big fan of that Meg Ryan. Really am. Uh, no, this is really good. Um, I'm getting lots of hazelnut and black coffee uh, and alcohol. This is delicious. Uh, I would... We do the movie rating. How many movies would I sit through? Uh, if you plied me with this beer, I give it three. I... I I don't know that I wouldn't pass out after drinking a bunch of 9% beers, but uh, I'd go three for three on this, no question. I think it's really generous of you to recommend a, a good beer because this movie is a hot piece of shit. So like, Listen, <laughs> this you. is how I'm balancing it out. <laughs> yeah, since I, since I missed the bullet pod, I am drinking bullet bourbon because of this movie. I don't think there's enough bullet bourbon in the world to get through this movie. Bang, boom, down. This movie's awful. I uh, <laughs> I promised you dad jokes before we started recording, so I'm drinking a Truly, because this movie is truly terrible. Figure oh. guns coming at you. Yeah, the Man. 9 o'clock show is different from the 7 o'clock show. Yeah, how, how long did you, how long, uh, how late were you up writing that joke last night? I, you know, I, I workshopped it for a number of people. Uh, that's good. Went over about as well as it White just Claw? did. Uh, no. Yeah, that's fair. All right, well, before we'll get into the story of the, the filming of this thing, but before we do that, show of hands, or just, I guess, shout out because this is radio. Have any of you ever actually seen the Nutcracker Ballet? It, like, they do the Nutcracker Ballet in literally every American city at Christmas time that has a ballet. Company. I used to go every year for. Really? Yeah. Uh, when we lived in California. So uh -huh. up until we moved, which was like fourth grade, we went and saw the Nutcracker every year. Okay, so I guess my, my question for that is, did you have, like, in the back of your mind, okay, this is what I'm expecting to see out of a Nutcracker thing? Because I saw the Nutcracker, like, once in second grade in the 90s. I, so I kind of... Yeah, I mean, I I knew this was going to be different because I remember sure. when this came out. and Certainly, like, this is... I think Disney has actively tried to erase this from existence. <laughs> Right so I, I knew this was very different. Like this was clearly the Oz the Great and Powerful occasion or the uh, Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland occasion of a well-known and beloved, uh, well, it's a book and a ballet. Yeah. Because this, I mean, resembles it only in title. Yeah. Well, I just, yeah. because it's one of those things where you know, when you talk about like Captain America or Star Wars or any of the other or or even the other recent uh, live action reboots like Mulan or The Lion King or whatever, you're kind of going in with, OK, I know what this is going to be. So how are they going to do it different? And I, I don't know. Did that help your expectations or you think it was better to go in completely blind? 
uh, this movie was just misguided for me. Mm. It it was trying to be something that we've seen a million times before, and it just wasn't interesting. Like this, I mean, there is a story there. There is precedence there to to create something in this fashion, but I mean, this movie is utterly ridiculous. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, let's not get too deep because we're going to want to save a lot of that for the plot walkthrough. Um, I have, ne- I mean, I know what the Nutcracker is. I've probably seen it on TV. I've never gone to one. The only, mm-hmm. the only play or theater thing I have or will willingly go see is Phantom. I've seen Phantom several times. Huh. Um, I'll go see, you know, Hamilton if the wife wants to because she's an NYC. But he's a huge um, Butler guy. Huge. <laughs> But yeah, no, the only thing I've ever seen in theaters is Phantom. Okay. Well, as far as this story goes, The Nutcracker in the Four Realms, as we kind of mentioned, is an adaptation of both the book or the story and the play, but it's also kind of a sequel to that as well, uh, which is kind of muddled. The The story is by uh, a Prussian guy, E.T.A. Hoffman, and the ballet is obviously Russian by Tchaikovsky. Uh, the film itself was directed by, I believe it's Lass Halstrom, uh, who directed Cider House Rules, Shock a Lot, and a handful of other things. Holy uh, and then, shit. batting cleanup, it was also directed, sort of second unit for reshoots by Joe Johnson of all people. So Captain America, Jumanji, The Rocketeer, The Rocketeer, the Rocketeer yeah. yes, exactly. So uh, it's not like they they lacked for talent behind the camera. <laughs> Um, the film stars Mackenzie Foy as Clara Stahlbaum, uh, the precocious child who finds herself on an adventure in a magical world. Uh, but she's uh, most probably famous for her turn at Interstellar or Twilight, uh, depending on what your flavor of movie is, I guess. If, if you guys want to feel old, uh, she was born in the year 2000. Also, yes. quick question. I didn't look this up. Is she related to Claire Foy? I do not know. I wondered that. Okay. Uh, I have a second circle back question. Did Captain Cash just mispronounce Tchaikovsky? That might. Tchaikovsky. Tchaikovsky. You know what? We'll put a pin in it. Uh, You know what? Listeners, you tell us which one you think is right. Is it Tchaikovsky or Tchaikovsky? Tchaikovsky. Tchaikovsky. That's it. Thank you. Tchaikovsky. I'm I'm just going to say that. The T is silent. The T carries. Yeah. If you want to Voices get through carry this movie, too. it helps if you just have some Kamchatka. Yeah, yeah Kamchatka. Kamchatka. Or some Congress or anything anything that's above 70 proof. Uh, you could drink straight rubbing alcohol to get you through I, this. Actually, I would you... think the best, uh, the best approach to take to this movie would be just grain alcohol just to grain. try to wipe it from yeah. your memory. Like grain alcohol... Injected directly into your eyeballs. Yeah, I think yes, if you just exactly. like if you Straight do to the that, brain. I think you can just erase the memory of the movie as you're watching it, so you can technically say you've seen it, yet you won't have to carry any of yep. the pain forward. See, I think it's funny you say that because I'll be honest with you, I watched this movie twice over the course of the last week Why? and a half, what? and I Why? just so I could write notes about it and lead a discussion on it. And I'll be honest with you, I don't remember most of it. It just doesn't stick. <laughs> What I oh, would do is dress up as a toy soldier, uh, do some peyote, and whatever you dream in that fever will be more interesting than this. I was about to say, Certainly. we're borderlining on my one-sentence description. All right. <laughs> Let me get through who else is in this thing already. Okay. So, Kiara Knightley is here as the Sugar Plum Fairy. 
region of the land of sweets. Helen goddamn Mirren is in this thing as Mother Ginger, the leader of the fourth realm and ostensible bad guy. Jaden Foqua Knight uh, is here as the titular nutcracker. And honestly, we kind of touched on this, but listing him fourth is generous. It's not that he's bad in this movie. It's just that he has nothing to do. <laughs> like, it's called the nutcracker, and I'm not real sure what the nutcracker is doing here. This is a white savior movie to the max. The Nutcracker, who is a soldier, has literally nothing to do, while the white savior, who's good at everything, solves all the problems. Yeah, he's the buddy dog in an action movie. Like, uh, what's the Will Smith one? And he's got the German Shepherd. I am legend. Yeah, he's essentially the German Shepherd in I am legend, who just follows around the main character to be there. Yep. This feels a little awkward. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm I'm 100% on board, but I agree that he's not given a ton of agency in this film. Um, well, he, he's basically just a plot device. He's not really a character. He's there so they have somebody to call the Nutcracker. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's really it. But he's, he's there not because a they... Nutcracker. Okay, but hold on. Dude. Right, we're we're going to get let's there. Let's save that for a later conversation. Let me, let, if I saw him bust some nuts, this would be a totally different <laughs> conversation, but he busts zero nuts from as far as I can tell. Zero we he also have get we also get Eugenio Derbez and Richard E. Grant as Hawthorne and Shiver, regents of the land of flowers and snowflakes, respectively. Also, Morgan Freeman is here to collect a check as Drosselmeyer for six minutes. Yeah, six whole minutes of screen time. Clara's godfather and ingenious tinkerer. Yeah, he uh, there, quick, yeah, quick question. There are lots of others. Uh, did you do the research to figure out how much he was paid to do this? Because I'm kind of curious how much of the budget went to him to just be creepy and have an eye patch. Hey, listen, Pirate Morgan Freeman is a is a reward in its own right. So no, I did not research exactly how much he was paid. If I had to guess, I'm assuming the requirement to wear an eye patch added at least five hundred thousand dollars to his <laughs> his contract. I have to wear uh, what? Yeah, yeah, add another. 500k i will require at least 15 to 16 million dollars also why didn't we train did not have to wear an eye patch when he crawled through a quarter mile why didn't we get a voiceover of him explaining claire's journey in the andy dufresne monologue this is actually the metaphorical andy dufresne crawling through the quarter mile of shit that's the movie it's just a quarter mile of shit an hour and a half. Say, so we the viewers are the Andy Dufresne yeah. in this experience, and this this film is yeah. our, our attempt no, to escape. No, no, no. Josh. I'm pretty sure we're no the tunnel freedom. of shit, and the movie's crawling through us. It's a painful <laughs> existential experience. Yeah, the end is what was the guy that got out and then he hung himself because he, he didn't know how to exist outside of. That's the end of this movie. We're all Brooks. <laughs> uh, that's pretty much the cast, though. I do think it's probably worth noting that Missy Copeland is here as. The Ballerina Princess, which is basically the movie's excuse to use the music from the ballet. Uh, so, eh. Well, it's, and also you get a little Fantasia callback, too. You do, very briefly. Uh, it's one of those things, though, where there are a lot of people in this, and all the people I've listed, I think, are fairly talented actors and or directors. And yet, how the fuck does this happen? Well, and um, you're, you're about to say it. It wasn't shy on money. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this movie... Had a budget of 133 million, so like it wasn't like Avengers money, but it wasn't like you know, 
They weren't trying to string this out on forty million. Like even if the even if the actors were in for the back end cut, oh, I'll do it for five percent or whatever. Uh, I mean, they they spent a lot of money, and you could tell it mainly goes to the CGI in this fucking thing. Yeah, oh, and it, this thing only pulled in a hundred and seventy four million, which was an estimated sixty five point eight million loss for Disney. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, you can tell this is like the rare Disney misfire. Like, it's got all the elements you want for, like, a successful Disney movie, but it somehow just misses the mark. Well, the thing that's nuts is that this isn't the first Disney misfire in 2018. This is the third one. The other the other two were Solo, which I, I uh, think yeah. so, Solo made money. It didn't bomb bomb, but it just didn't do as well as everyone wanted. Uh, but the other one was A Wrinkle in Time. Which full on bombed. Another Same. misguided translation of a property full of useless CGI. Yeah, but, but I appreciate I, I, that in both cases, uh, Wrinkle in Time and this one, like it's just full on nuts with the visuals, which I like. Like they're they're not half assing the visuals on this at all. Well, but what I will say is that out of those three movies, this is the one that's most, in my opinion, close to your traditional Disney format like this was clearly like frozen one and a half yeah like, i can see that i know it's I've, more, I've not it's seen definitely, a wrinkle in time it's well i mean i've read i've read the book so not i know the there. source material there this is more of your traditional like disney kids yeah. princess girl goes to a magic realm yada right yada. i mean and, and granted a wrinkle in time's got some of that too but i think this was Again, this just felt very Disney. Like, oh, I can tell what they're trying to do here, except it just totally doesn't work. Well, I mean, I will say, to its credit, the film is short at about 90 minutes, yeah. uh, 99 minutes when you factor in the credits, which there is a nice ballet scene there. Uh, but yeah, so IMDb calls this a young girl is transported into a magical world of gingerbread soldiers and an army of mice. I don't know how that's their description. That does not even slightly nope. cover it, and it's mostly false. Nope, that uh, doesn't check out at all. There's not no, even slightly. There's no gingerbread soldiers ever in this entire. But I don't. There's no army of mice. There is well, a mouse. There's an and there army of mouse mice. king. No, the mouse no, king is an is... army of mice. Yeah. I, yeah, I guess. But he operates as a single unit. That's not quite the same. <laughs> I agree. He's not the most efficient army of mice, but it takes a whole <laughs> lot of fucking mice to make the mouse king. It's more like a platoon of mice. Yeah, fair. I say this is the Chronicles of Oz in Wonderland, the adaptation of the ballet in Neverland. Mayor McCheese, what is your one sentence? My one sentence is Nutcracker in the Four Realms is what you get when a stereotypical big shot Hollywood person, director, producer, whatever, spends a little too much time with a child's Christmas pop-up book while on magic mushrooms. You know, that's fair. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Thunderous Wizard, let's hear your one. That was basically what I had, but really, it's like the execs approached Tim Burton, like, hey, you know, Alice in Wonderland made a billion dollars. What else do you have for? It? He's like, I don't know. I'm going to go see Nicolas Cage's cat. And we're going to do some mushrooms, so we'll write something for you. They get it, and they're like, solid gold. <laughs> That's this Burton movie. wasn't involved in this, though, at all. No, but though, I mean, it, it rips off his... First of all, his Alice in Wonderland, which I said, is a piece of shit, and this movie rips it off entirely. Yes, no, that's that's completely fair. I, I feel like this was, hey, uh, we can't get Terry Gilliam or Tim Burton, 
but we can get like two dudes who can mimic that aesthetic real well. Let's just do that. I feel like you're really underselling Terry Gilliam right there. That that's not fair. I mean, crazy, whimsical, whatever, and Tim Burton does that too. Terry. Yeah, well, no, t- the Tim Burton's later movies, yes. Even I, I would say that's selling yes. early Tim Burton short. Well, of course it is. Late Tim Burton, yes. Late yeah. Tim Burton. This is Willy this Wonka is... and Alice in Wonderland. Those are yeah. fucking hot garbage. And Terry Gilliam, by the way, made an action movie about the Brothers Grimm. So late Terry Gilliam also. Oh, that's a good point. Okay. No, does I forgot stupid about the shit like Grimm. this. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, Chumzilla, what's your one sentence before we get into the plot? Sucker Punch 2. Alice in Wonder <laughs> Oz. A very special Christmas story. Yeah, there you go. Oh, Sucker Punch. You know, it. Sucker Punch isn't bad, bad, bad. It's better, better than, than this. this movie. Yes, yeah. it is. I would. Well, that's saying something. I would rather watch Sucker Punch on loop, strapped to a chair like the guy in a Clockwork Orange, than ever watch this again. Open. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I, I just want the listeners to know that this might be the first movie that I'm actually angered that I had to watch. <laughs> And I, like th- and I this think... wasn't even enjoyable. It was it was so awful. It wasn't even like fun to make fun of. It was just like God damn it. Yeah, this I this is the perfect time to throw in that it. And I I mean I've already told you guys, but let's get it out there and, and eat those. It took me three sittings to get through this thing. Like I watched twenty minutes and I was like I can't. And then I tried it again. I watched twenty minutes. And I was like fuck I can't do this. And the only reason I finished it was I couldn't sleep again. And I watched it from like four thirty to five thirty in the morning when I was just staring at my ceiling. And I was like, well, I guess I might as well burn some time watching this and finish this. Hello, off. darkness, my old friend. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I did fall asleep after I finished it, but I was angry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the closest comparison I can draw is uh, Vampire's Kiss, because that movie was so goddamn weird. Like I couldn't turn away from it. And I was like, wow, this is, it's not good. What I'm watching is not good. This is not a good movie, but God damn, is it just so weird? I, I can't, you know, I can't stop watching this. I got to see where this goes. And this movie is like the polar opposite. And I'm like, this is vaguely interesting, but Jesus Christ, is it stupid? And I don't care. Here's it's like I, I want I wanted to try to find like, you know, another angle to it, another layer, but it's not there. It literally isn't there. This is just surface level bullshit all the way through. That's it. What you're describing is exactly the problem with this film. Vampire's Kiss is genuinely weird. Everybody involved in that knew it was weird, wanted to make it weird, wanted to be as weird as possible because that's who they were as people. This is fucking hot topic weird. This is corporate weird. This is, uh, you know, we don't really have a, a sense of what this is supposed to be, but it needs to look sort of vaguely Tim Burton e. Let's do that. You, and it had no, no of the Tim Burton weirdness sensibilities, and it's as hollow as the fucking Tin Soldiers at the end of this thing. Wow. So with that, that's poetic. Let's let's jump into the plot summary because, I mean, there's a lot of plot. And not much story to this thing. So. There's neither. There is no plot to this movie. <laughs> there's a lot of exposition. There's a ton of that, yes. I can't remember which, which movie it was, but yeah, this one falls into that like over-plotted, underwritten category. Yes. There's just a lot of shit they have to like you know, check off. And, and to push the narrative along. And you're just kind of like, what? Oh, and that's okay. the confu- 
like that's a confusing thing. This isn't a known story where they're like, "Hey, we got to hit these points so everyone knows that we have it covered." It's like they had a checklist that no one understands. They're like, "If we don't explain this, people are going to get the story, and they're going down that path." And everyone's like, "What the fuck are you telling me this?" I we're gonna get there. <laughs> Wait, we'll let's get just, and, and, and right. again, again, I just want you know on the front end of the plot description, I want to reiterate the fact that in a movie with Nutcracker in the title, zero nuts get cracked. Now, no, I, I want to ask, when you say, do you need like a physical nut to be inserted into the jaws of a nutcracker? Or would you have settled for the nutcracker just kicking one of the automatons in the in the balls? Yes, either okay, or. Fair enough. I yeah. will say it is not canon to the story that the nutcracker does any real nutcracking. He's just an actual fucking nutcracker. <laughs> All right. The film opens on Christmas Eve in Victorian London, where Clara, our protagonist, is playing a game of literal mousetrap in real life because she lacka the science. She a STEM girl. Yeah, is that like product placement? No, I, I mean, I, it's it's good that they're showing women involved in STEM. I, I don't really have a problem with that. Well, it is kind of cliche, but whatever. It's a good also thing. Also, the basket they use to catch the mouse is wide open. The thing will yeah. just jump out. Except the entire scene is based upon the premise that an owl will chase a mouse through this small hole and into their trap. They literally lit a million dollars on fire for that scene. Because it's yeah. all CGI leading into it. Which the is only a thing that... opening scene of Lethal Weapon 4 with the Van Halen song and the guy in the flamethrower suit, that is the diametric opposite of this. That scene also probably lit a million dollars on fire, but it was awesome. But in a fun this way. This one was not. Yeah. The only thing that salvages this flyover is if we see Jack the Ripper. <laughs> well, uh, so in any case, uh, Clara's father uh, gives the, the children, who are Louise Fritz and the aforementioned Clara, presence that his wife, who who is named Marie, who has died, has set aside. Um, the two children don't really matter because they're barely in this thing, but Clara gets a clockwork Fabergé egg, which has a, a lock on it that she's unable to open. She also gets a note saying, everything you need is inside. And it's really obvious where this film is going, but I'm also not like four, so maybe, you know, if I'm a child, I don't see where this is going, but if you're an adult, you will. It's at this point that Morgan Freeman cuts out his own eye after reading the script and realizing this is what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> so the family does go to a Christmas Eve party hosted by Morgan Freeman, who is the children's godfather, a skilled engineer named Drosselmeyer, uh, who is, again, I just I can't stress enough, Pirate Morgan Freeman is a pretty solid selling point, despite the fact he's only in this for six minutes. Yeah, I mean, with a name like Drosselmeyer it being Morgan Freeman, I don't know how many black Germans were hanging out in Victoria, England. Well, <laughs> so I'm okay that, with it. <laughs> that, that's an excellent point, Mary McCheese. Um, yes, I mean, obviously, the original author of the source material was German. This was set in Germany. No, okay, uh, that makes sense. And and they chose to keep the characters' names as being traditionally German, even though they changed the setting for this movie to Victorian England. And also, I say, I, in my head canon, Morgan Freeman has his eye patch because this is technically a sequel to Seven. Oh, uh, uh, see, I thought it was, I thought he was like an ancestor of Nick Fury. I'm waiting for him to assemble the Victorian Avengers. No, I, no, I think this is just a, a chrono shifted sequel to Seven. 
I mean, I, I did like when he showed up when it was Morgan Freeman. I'm like, oh, hot shit. They got Morgan Freeman. I think I was even texting you guys about it. And then five minutes later, I was like, oh, I was wasted. Yeah, I guess he's not here for much. So in any case. What's in the box? Uh, Clock gears. Yeah. <laughs> Clara helps Drosselmeyer fix one of his machines that has reversed uh, for whatever reason. And she's able to fix it because foreshadowing. Um, and she asked Drosselmeyer if he knows about the egg. And he explains, oh, I made this for your mother. Uh, when she was younger, after her father scolds her for refusing to dance with him, which I know is meant to be like a nice thing, but the entire thing comes across as incredibly creepy. Oh, like, let's take good. a brief moment and address the dad. One of the gifts that the elder daughter gets, not Clara, her sister, is a dress that her mother would always wear. And he definitely wants to dance with her. And he definitely wants to dance with Claire. And it's. It's creepy. It's not that hold he on, just on, definitely wants to dance hold with on, them. It's on, that he's on. demanding that he dances with them, and they seem reluctant. It's a super weird angle, and it made me uncomfortable. Dude's a creep. And and and, and here's here's the question, and any of you can answer it. What did each of us, all four, text to the group at this point in the movie? <laughs> oh yeah, he's absolutely a pedophile. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and the and the weirdest thing is. It's pretty clear he abuses the kids because in the chariot ride over, he's like, don't make a fool of me. You will dance with me. Yeah. Don't like, disappear. So I, okay, hold on. Quick aside with Uncle Chumpzilla here. I, um, I definitely have like a strong sense of empathy and it, it applies to movies and like entertainment as well. Like I get secondhand uh you know anxiety and embarrassment for characters in movies like in a strong fashion like when i was a little kid there'd be stuff that made me uncomfortable and i would like leave the room when i was watching the movie because it'd make me feel so weird like i would i had such strong reactions to stuff you know when the characters are meant to feel embarrassed or uncomfortable i i felt it as well um yeah, obviously, I've you know between age and, and and substance abuse, I've gotten over those feelings as an adult, and stuff like that doesn't bother me as much. I notice it, but I don't get that strong like visceral reaction anymore. I can sit through, you know, secondhand embarrassment without a problem. But I will say this movie made me feel those feelings as strong as anything I think I have seen as an adult. Like those scenes we've just described, I cannot emphasize enough how uncomfortable they made me as an almost 40-year-old adult. Like yeah. I didn't like that. I didn't like the way it made me feel. And I can only assume those characters felt the same way in, it, had they been real. Which like, frankly, it, is, it is super weird angle and it has worked in a super weird way. Which is a huge problem for this film, frankly, because like you're you're supposed to intuit that this is a loving relationship and that the dad is just worked up because he's recently widowed, but it does not read like no. that at well, all. It, and no, the, it does the, not. the problem is it's not like a random one off or like, oh, that was a really weird choice. Like it happens a couple times. You're like, all right, this is creepy. They double yeah. down on it. He's basically, I mean, his his angle in the end, just to add some closure to this point, is basically, hey, I miss your mom, too. We're all hurting here. So put her dress on and dance with me, <laughs> child bride. God. It's, what the fuck? Okay, it, wait a minute. It's like, on one hand, he's he's admitting that we're all feeling this, and it's, it's, it is painful. So he's like, you know, so do me a favor. Put your mom's dress on and dance. And don't embarrass me. And so that's where there's a problem. But good news. Uh, they fight. Clara runs off and finds a string with her with a card with her name on it. 
So that's how she knows she's supposed to follow that string to receive her gift from Drosselmeyer, which she follows this string into a closet. Into Narnia. Into a <laughs> parallel world. It is such a hard ripoff of Narnia. Like, like it's the snowy landscape in everything. Like, like I, I know Disney produced the Chronicles of Narnia, and if they hadn't, Disney would have sued the fuck out of Disney for this. Uh, I think here, the obligatory, the lion, the witch, and the audacity, this bitch is required. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so she goes through, she finds, oh, the string leads to a key. Oh, it's the key. But before she can grab it, a mouse snatches it and crosses a frozen river where she runs into the guard, Captain Philip Hoffman, who she identifies as a nutcracker soldier, which, as we said, is important because if she didn't, we'd have no idea this is supposed to be the nutcracker. And how is he not played by Philip Seymour Hoffman? Because he's dead by now. Yeah. Well, mostly that. Captain Phillips was played by Tom Hanks, I feel like. Oh, so, oh. I, listen. I would have also accepted ghost Philip Seymour Hoffman, but whatever. I, I don't want to take anything away uh, from, uh, what is his name, Jaden for a night, because I think he does fine. But brief pause. Would you rather see ghost Philip Seymour Hoffman or Tom Hanks as the Nutcracker go? Well, I just I mean, like to know ghosts exist. So I mean, are they going to give him something to do, or is it going to be another boring character? Yeah. You know, that's a good I, question. I mean, I like this dude. I liked how, I mean, he he did the best with what he gave him, but they gave, they gave him nothing to do. That's a, that's a good point. There's nothing in this role that is his fault. It's entirely he, the script of this movie, which is pointless. So we're saying is even the ghost of Philip Seymour Hoffman, Academy Award-winning Philip Seymour Hoffman, could not have improved this character. Yeah, if you gave no. me a, if you gave me a Tupac hologram, Philip, Philip Seymour Hoffman to fill in this role, I would still be like, God damn, this character is boring. They wasted him. <laughs> well, yeah. So I'll make the comment as written. I think I would have gone with the ghost of Philip Seymour Hoffman in the movie. But if they had given the Nutcracker soldier, and I, I'm saying Nutcracker in air quotes because, I mean, I guess he's a Nutcracker. But if they'd actually given him something to do, then Tom Hanks all the way. I, it's it's nuts because... Eh, I didn't mean to do that, but here we are. Uh, nice. he, he's, he's literally just standing there, and she goes, a Nutcracker soldier. And he's just a dude in a red military outfit. Like, how do you identify that as the... I, yeah, it's, holding, the glitter, it's the glitter lipstick that gives him away. Holding post at a bridge. He's not, like, in, a, in like, a box, like a toy box. Like, he's, he's stationed at a post. He's just standing there. You'd be like, it's a dude. Also, why isn't her first reaction like, where the fuck am I? What is happening? Why is a mouse carrying a key? <laughs> no, none of that. Uh, so the Nutcracker, quote-unquote, leads Clara across the bridge into the fourth realm. Uh, where they encountered the first of several nightmare creatures, a mouse king. But not like a big mouse, like it is in the ballet. It's a mouse king without capitalization, like a conglomeration of mice that form one giant mouse thing that attack the duo. And it I, is I, I believe terrifying. This is a, uh, I believe this is a conceptualization of communism. It could I, be, maybe. The, I, the mice realm act is as a red. collective. There is no I, there is only us. The, the mice is the Sandman. The Mice King is the Sandman. Like, it can g go through people. It can uh, move itself so you cannot stab it. 
it's it does whatever a mouse king can because there's a lot of fire in the four realms light it on fire i do think that would be the solution here uh but the the other thing that kind of bugs me is the lead mouse who has stolen the key is seen by the nutcracker uh and he identifies that particular mouse by name mouse rinks H- how don't don't try to don't try I, to I don't, actually, I don't understand. understandable. I don't. No, so so here's the thing. In the source material, there are mouse winks. Like it's a it's a term from the source material. Mouse winks is the mouse the name of the mouse queen in a handful of adaptations. Yeah. But in this in this adaptation, it's literally just the single mouse they choose to it, represent all the mice. It's the plot mouse, yeah. Yeah, which I I mean, fine, but still I'm like, hey, all right, cool. Uh, there's also a brief encounter with Muddler Ginger as a giant automaton, which is kind of awesome, kind of terrifying. Uh, but at that point, they run away, and Captain Philip brings Clara to the palace, where she meets the regents of each land, the Sugar Plum Fairy, uh, regent of the Land of Sweets, Shiver of the Land of Snowflakes, Hawthorne of the Land of Flowers. They tell Clara that they are at war with the Land of Amusements, which they have decided is called the land, the fourth realm because it, they are banished as the film really yeah. lands on. Yeah. It's basically, what? they call it like Voldemort. Like it's the realm we shall not name. Right. Which I, I have a question. Is the banished thing supposed to be a joke? Well, I sent the text earlier. There's a, who said that was it, Kiara. Kiara Knightley says, Oh, she is banished. And, did- the didn't movie she say stops. Another, didn't she say another like stupid mispronounced word that you're just sitting there like, what was the point of that? I don't. I don't. Well, know. let's just take now to pause for a moment to to discuss the sugar yes. plum fairy in general. No, we don't need to discuss it in general. We no, just but, 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 that but whatever accent. she was doing, whatever Kara Knightley was doing with her voice and her the delivery of her lines in that role was over the top. She was making hardcore. Coppola choices with her character. That is um, entirely correct. Which, I, like, honestly, and, and again, and she felt like a dime store Helen Bonham Carter in this. It's yes, like this was yes. clearly like a role in a Tim Burton movie that you would have gotten HBC in. I'm just saying. Yeah, no, that's completely correct. What's confusing to me is in a movie full of British people, you are British. You have a British accent. Like you could just fall right into it. And instead she does like a weird clipped American accent that again, yeah, you're right. It should be in a Tim Burton film. I I, I believe the accent she was doing in this movie, Mary McCheese was, uh, it was RP middle-class suburban white girl high on Molly at a knockoff Coachella. No, no, no. She she absolutely had a British accent, but it did sound like a canned British accent. No, she did not have a. She had a. She had a bad. She had a British person doing a bad American accent. She, she sounded like easily, a goddamn. She can easily do an American accent. She's does it before. She's a good actress. Like she's doing a bad version of an American accent, and like I, somewhat and somewhat like Valley Girl. Yeah, yeah, and she, yeah so, and she was and she was definitely playing it over the top. To her yeah. credit, she was. It was wait, a stylized performance. That's wait, so, it that, was. Was it over the top? Oh, yeah. Let me turn it around. It's like a switch. It's like a switch. <laughs> yeah, Kira Knightley turned it around. Yeah. yeah so, uh, listen, it, like it, I have to admit, this is probably the least attractive I've seen her 
uh, appear in a movie too, just to be like kind of based there. I would like to put a pin in that. I'd like to put a pin in that least attractive thing until about 50 minutes in. And then we're going to talk more about that. She but needed more I, leather pants. I will say that uh, she does affect a very like breathless, high, high pitched, like baby doll voice throughout this thing, which is just in, in my opinion, hard to listen to. Oh, it's yes. like, it it's, is off-putting. It, yeah, that's what I was about to say. It, it's unintentionally off. It didn't need to happen. So, so what I think is funny, and I'm probably giving this movie entirely too much credit, but I think that it's actually a decision that she and perhaps the director made. Oh, certainly. Because it does signal to you she's not to be trusted. Yeah. No, I mean, and it's not wrong, and I don't know that it... I, it it still harms the movie, I think, because it yeah, yeah. it is it, still it so off putting that it doesn't yes. quite work. It's unpleasant, and it's it 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 goes beyond just signaling like, hey, keep an eye on her. Yeah. it's actually like I don't like it when that character talks. Talks, yeah, I and have it's a not like I don't trust them. It's more like, can you make them stop? I need less <laughs> of this in the movie. She's also overly informative about how evil the fourth realm. Is. And let's talk about overly informative because it's at this point in the film that we get a five-minute exposition ballet, which I can't decide is the most audacious thing or the dumbest thing a fucking movie can do. I, it would have been fine if the exposition dump was just the ballet, but instead we get the off-putting Kara Knightley voice exposition dumping over the exposition dump. And it is mind-boggling how stupid it is. Is that in Dumpception? Yes. It's an yeah. exposition within an exposition within Keira Knightley's horrific voice. Yeah. I would have accepted, accepted if the movie would have started with the damn ballet. That way I could have understood what was happening for the first half of the movie. Well, and, and two things. Uh, on the ballet scene, it is a little self-indulgent. It really is. It's kind of like, really? Okay, we're doing this. But it also gives us a nod to Fantasia, which does have a segment uh, with the Nutcracker themes. That yeah, the play. dance of the sugar it, plum So, so you, you get a little Disney in reference there. So I kind of get that. And I give them credit for that. That's kind of clever. I like that. And you can get the silhouette of the composer. Okay, I get the Fantasia nod. Fair enough. But the other thing I'll say about uh, Karen Knightley's character is that she's not so much character as she's just like a totem of evil and a Wikipedia uh, entry on the four realms. Like her character is literally just there to give exposition dumps in that off-putting voice. She's not really a character until the very end. And then she's just like, and I'm evil. And then and her voice it. changes multiple times because this movie was reshot to hell. But the whole reason this exists is because this is a big budget movie that couldn't sustain an hour and a half of narrative. There's yeah, nothing no. to do here. And so they had to insert a 10-minute scene to fill time. That's how creatively bankrupt this movie yeah, is. And, and here's where they missed their mark because it will get to it. But they could have clearly given us 10 more minutes of, like, you know, uh, clown murder. And that that probably would have helped the movie. So, like, I, I like that they include the ballet. But the problem with ballet, and it, we, it's the same problem with Cats, right? Where... A lot of what is... Did you say problem with cats? <laughs> I did. <laughs> Hang on. Hang on. 
the the problem is seeing that live and watching another human do that performance physically is very impressive but you put it on screen and it loses a lot of the the feel there still i actually think mayor mccheese was right if they'd open with an exposition ballet and bounced into the the film i think that would have done a lot for this yeah now that's an excellent point there captain cash because i think if this movie had opened with the ballet with effectively another exposition dump you know on the screen with the dad and the kids watching and then you see the movie in the fantasy realm parallel what we saw in that ballet i think that actually has a stronger narrative drive than what we got where you as you get that ballet thing kind of in the middle and yeah. it, there's some parallels but there's it, it's like it's, uh you're not really sure <laughs> hey you've been here for 30 minutes we're gonna stop the film and explain to you what you're gonna be watching and what you you've been watching to this point and they wouldn't have to change very much because, like, I can't remember who said it earlier, when she wanders into Narnia, she doesn't immediately ask, like, what the fuck? Like, she apparently is just like, oh, I'm here now. And, oh. like, goes about her business trying to find the key and the mouse and, you know, everything else. Yeah. So oh, we she must uh, be a nutcracker. Oh, yeah, nice. nutcracker show, Jeff. Um, it, it makes perfect yeah, so we sense. So we could have easily started the movie, like... Uh, Chumzilla said, and then gotten, like, maybe a little bit of background on the mom because we never know... We don't even, I mean, we assume she's, no, we know she's dead, but it takes until about the ballet scene yes, to this know is that. The, yeah, so the scene at the ballet is where we learn that she is actually the queen of the four realms, the high queen, uh, and that because she was the queen, now Clara is the princess to be the queen. Also, Sugar Plum Fairy eats her hair, which I just, oh, God. That was just so creepy. Like, like I, I can't hear, that, yeah. Yeah, I can't tell if that was brilliant or terrible. I kind of love that part for how weird it was. You know what? That would have been better in a better movie. Like I feel, yes. I feel like that was a good gag, but this movie it, it, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't work. But in if a different done, movie, that could have worked. If she would have done two quirky things leading up to that, you would have been like, Haha, "She can eat her hair. It's funny." Like, maybe but she had no. like gumdrop nipples and she ate one of those, and then you're like, "Oh, of course she can eat her hair. That makes sense." Uh definitely not going to spend the rest of the evening thinking about Kira Knightley's gumdrop nipples. Uh, son of a bitch. Should there have been more questions about entering Narnia or more questions about why her godfather's house is a fucking scene from Saw with just elaborate strings leading into different traps? <laughs> I, I genuinely think, and we're going to get into this, but Drosselmeyer's laboratory is one of the bigger problems in, with this film. Oh, wait, time out. Is there a chance that Drosselmeyer is Jack the Ripper? Ooh, I like that angle. I kind of want a sequel with that. I mean, yeah, he looks welcome. like Sweeney Todd with an eye patch, so he's definitely been murdering people and putting them in probably like elaborate Jack I mean, in the boxes. I, I just assumed he was a closet Nazi. He's definitely a rich <laughs> genius because he has a giant mansion that he can give away just countless gifts to and includes a portal to another dimension. Plus, while he's having a party, he's in his basement tinkering with inventions. <laughs> Which is also weird. Anyway, so moving along, after the ex exposition ballet, we get yet another exposition scene where Sugar Plum Fairy explains that Marie, the mom, created the world as a young girl and created a thing they call the engine, which can turn toys into real people, which is what they all are. And unfortunately, the engine doesn't have a key anymore, so they need to get the key back. 
And if they have that, then Sugar Plum can create an army to fight against the four realms. It's the same key, coincidentally, that Clara needs for the egg. Now, this is where I assume this is going to be a crossover with Snowpiercer, and they're going to have to find a small child to, like, operate as the key, and they need to replace it. Feed the child into the egg. Yeah, yeah. And then I also think this is a prototype for the the world engine for a Man of Steel. It's pretty clear. Well, yeah, maybe. But it's pretty clear by this point she's the bad guy because the Fourth Realm doesn't ever attack them during the movie ever. Well, At and all. she does she does point out that the best defense is a good offense. So she well, acknowledges yeah, that. Which is a real end. fascist thing to say just after you've eaten your hair and cackled maniacally. <laughs> we Again, also... I'm getting I'm thinking she's making, you know, backroom arms deals with General Zod, I'm just saying. We and we also don't get any sort of explanation on why the fourth realm is a total wasteland. Like yeah. all the other realms are flourishing, but the total wasteland realm where all they have is mice and one lady and five clowns is going to attack and kill everybody else. Well, listen, well, it's, it's because clear because they suck and they deserve it. Yes, exactly. They're poor because they deserve to be poor. Because <laughs> <laughs> they make bad choices and they're bad people. That's why bad <laughs> things happen. I don't think Helen Mirren makes any bad choices. <laughs> Except for being in this movie. <laughs> okay. So at this point, Clara the Nutcracker and a team of soldiers that are not Nutcrackers, though I don't know how you tell because they're not actually visibly distinct from the Nutcracker, sneak into the fourth, fourth realm. Uh, they fight at least one more Mouse King, but I think there were multiple Mouse Kings, Mice Kings. There's more than one, right? There's more than one, except they can always identify that one mouse. That one single mouse through the mouse rinks. Uh, and then we get the horrifying fucking clown scene. Oh, let's let's stop on the horrifying fucking clown scene real quick. I yeah, like it. Okay, I, I I, it I'll just I'll say it. You know, if you guys, listeners, bear with Uncle Chumpzilla here. I would recommend not watching this movie. I, I wouldn't even say that you need to catch this clown scene thing either. It's not that great. But just understand that this Disney kids movie takes a break i don't like almost uh 45 minutes in or I bet so it's 50, 50 50 to 60 in this movie takes a break about an hour in just to go straight up killer clowns from outer space i'm not even joking it's just straight up killer clowns from outer space it gets real weird and i'd like to say the movie's better for it but no it, it doesn't really help well in a movie that tries very very hard to be visually interesting and most of it is like, oh, that's kind of cool, and they do nothing with it. The I'm probably going to pronounce this incorrectly, but the Policinelli dancers, these clowns that are Russian nesting dolls for all intents and purposes, are the only visually interesting thing they do. Like, they are unique. It's like, oh, I've never seen something like this before. They jump in and out of each other. They have this, like, elaborate thing. But yeah, and they're, they're creepy really, the entire time. Really yeah. No, you're, it is visually interesting. To, uh, to, to your point, uh, to your point, Thunderous Wizard, it is in fact visually interesting. It's one of the more unique things in the movie. Um, but it's so goddamn weird and unsettling. It it, it doesn't really help, I in my opinion. Huh. I thought it was good. Well, in any, even they get past the clowns, and Clara manages to steal the key uh, back from Mother Ginger. Uh, who very notably just offers warnings and is not threatening even slightly. Like, it's fucking of, Helen Mirren. In a yeah. movie full of exposition, it would have taken two lines for her to be like, we're not the bad guys, here's what's going on. Not, 
I'm vaguely threatening. Steal my shit so you can enact what will be clown genocide <laughs> very shortly. <laughs> can we get any explanation on why Helen Mirren's character is all scarred up? Is it just because her realm is falling apart? Like, yeah, she's got that big I, thing down the side of her face. Feel, and... Her face is cracked because she's also a porcelain doll, presumably. Uh, okay, I guess, yeah, maybe. It's the island of uh, forgotten toys, essentially. Yeah, misfit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, misfit, misfit toys. toys. Yeah. Either way, uh, so you're saying she wants to be a dentist? <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, yes. okay. Yeah, Mirren uh, can do whatever the hell she wants. My opinion. That's true. Yeah, Mirren can get it. Mirren okay. can get it. hashtag Mirren can get it. Anyway, uh, they get the key. They open the music box, and it's. Oh, I'm sorry. They open the egg, and it's just a music box, or is it? But they think it's just a music box. So they take the key back to Sugar Plum. She uses the machine, the the engine, to bring all these toy soldiers to life and orders them to attack the fourth realm. Um, also, I guess because the tin soldiers are hollow, that makes them automatons versus real people. Like, they're, they're rendered as a CGI army, whereas literally all the other toys are humans. And I don't know why. And they don't... Like, they're, the answer is, you can't do that, they're hollow! And that's just what we accept. It's one of those things. One of the one of those yeah, things the script chooses not to fucking tell you why. And, and here is a good point to mention the fact that this movie has now completely strayed from the source material. So there's literally no reason for them to do any of these things other than they want to do them. Well, there's I'd no. Say it came a little bit before the the you know, army of yeah. tin toys took action. Oh, no, no, no. I'm just saying I'm taking a, a, a stance now to point that out. That Hey, just FYI, we're way in the weeds here. This is completely, uh, you know, so editorial we, decisions we, being made by our the screenwriters, the director, the producers. We got our mouse king. That pretty much, that's the play. <laughs> that's the so, ballet. So, so there's no rules depicting or demanding anything specific out of these characters other than what the director and writers wanted at this point. So to Captain Cash's point, so yeah, I guess the hollow soldiers are just, you know, mindless uh, robot soldiers. Why not? Why not? Why not? It's, uh, it's definitely easier to kill them and not feel bad about stuff. Yeah, we, we, we can mess them up now. It's yep. a Disney movie, too. I mean, I get it. There's probably some Disney violence rules involved here. They're not exactly but, a potent army. Just Because let's be honest, the only, the only like, acceptable violence in a Disney movie is like the slaying of one's own family. <laughs> Like you, you can watch, you can watch like siblings and parents die, but you can't have like total genocide. Just remember in uh, Pirates of the Caribbean at, at world, at the, whatever the third one's called, uh, overly long bloated movie, they hang a kid within the first five minutes of the film. That's so, true. They do. There's some, there's some violent though? Disney movies. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, the Lone Ranger, like any of the PG 13, like live action movies are relatively violent. Any case, yeah. it is at this point we get the official turn where Sugar Plum, Plum reveals that she lied about Mother Ginger and Mother Ginger had resisted her plan to take over the Four Realms and she full-on becomes a metaphor for the fear of abandonment and, uh, and gets rid of the breathless baby doll thing that she's been doing and turns into, like, on the verge of climax, like... 
sexed up diva. And I, I don't have anything to compare it to other than Tim Curry's turn as Hexus in Fern Gully, where it's just like, hello, boys. <sighs> I'm like, what it's, am I watching? It's very Poison Ivy from Batman and Robin. It really, yes. Oh, yeah. It is. Yeah, that's good. And like, and honestly, the film is better for it. Like well, it's, she it's becomes over the a true top, character, but I'm at least having a good time now. <laughs> yeah, no. At that point, she becomes an actual character. Yes, so agreed. It's slightly entertaining. There is no villain to that point because you see Helen Mirren once, and you also see her giant robot thing once. But they're absent from the movie for the next forty minutes, and the villain is just something you hear about in whispers. There is no villainous presence until she decides, like, I'm going full. Uma Thurman from Batman and Robin. And you no, never she, go she like, full Uma Thurman from Batman and Robin. This acting machine goes to 11, and it will stay there for the remaining 45 minutes. Thank you. That's the unfortunate part, is that there is so much movie left. <laughs> you know what? Honestly, there's probably only like 30 minutes left at this point. So we're we're on the downslope. Which is like 22 many. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she also reveals that the machine will turn people back into toys if it's if it's directed at them which uh, again foreshadowing very helpful yeah good to know good to know um, i'm gonna write that down <laughs> she imprisons clara captain philip in the uh the male regents in a tower why uh, are they not murdered immediately <laughs> yeah and also they she imprisons them in a tower with a balcony that they can easily figure out how to escape from. Yeah. again again the, the the part that confuses me there is that she takes the evil turn and she's clearly now sugar plum hitler why aren't they gassed immediately i no. at a bare oh, minimum she, turn back into toys yes yes fair e- even that that would that would have taken them off the board so the sugar plum fairy can fly and you know, eat herself, do relatively, I guess, hair. yeah, other things. <laughs> yeah. What can the ice yeah. man and the flower man do? Could the flower man not like grow a vine so they could climb down? Could the ice man oh. not like oh, yeah. make an ice luge? He could, but nobody wants to touch that vine there. I just, like they just all seem so useless. Just every every time he can grow the vine, but every time you touch the vine, he goes. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So you're climbing down. Oh, oh. <laughs> An escape is an escape, okay? <laughs> if he's got to go into full bloom to escape, uh, so, this, so what? This has turned into an Eddie Porton storm conversation. <laughs> yes. oh, I'm just asking. This is, right? I, I can only emphasize so much here, listeners. This is at least 100 times more fun than actually watching this movie right now. I would agree with that. I would agree oh. with that. So Clara opens the the egg-shaped music box again and discovers that there's a mirror inside illustrating that all along she was what she needed the entire time. And again, if Disney didn't also own this, Frozen and Moana would be suing the dick off of this movie. Also... Captain Cash, the Nutcracker is just the friends we made along the way. <laughs> the real Nutcracker was the friends we made along the way. That's true. Uh, but they do escape, and we did mention uh, this, and they escape in a way that uses uh, her STEM abilities in the most needlessly reckless way possible, where she's she's balancing the Nutcracker's weight 
and the weight of the rope against her own to like make this thing sort of tie off this big rope tie off so that they can climb down versus just like tying the big rope to the side of the building and climbing down. And I don't know why that's there other than the payoff. Like, Oh no, look, no, she's smart. She knows stuff, which okay. But you couldn't have shown that literally any other way. Not only did fairy Hitler not gas them with her magical fairy dust, she left them a giant rope. Their only means of escape is to climb down a rope. It, well, we've already established, though, the plant guy could have cooked something yes, up. So, well, to be yes. fair. Fully erect, well, the mean, plant ice guy, guy is could have done much ice longer than the rope. Slide? Yeah, I thought yeah, so, too. Absolutely. I, I mean, something. Those guys are good for nothing. Why were they oh, yeah, not no, the outcasts? Yeah, and, and, and again, in a movie that's got, like, that's gone way beyond the source material, they could have made those characters more visually interesting, and they're they, they look like community theater characters. Lump him in with the Nutcracker, dude. They gave him nothing to do. Yeah. yeah. And, and the sheer fact that that Nutcracker's mouth, chest doesn't open up and doesn't swallow something at some point is so disappointing. This movie's so lazy, it's called The Nutcracker and the Four Realms, and you only get to see two of the realms, really. The other uh, yeah. two are shown in, in the ballet. But like yes. it's like, oh, we don't know what we would do with those, so we'll just give you uh, Icicle Chin and... Uh, and flower face. Give me a dopey ice costume flower and beard. flower hair. See you later. Yep. Yep. Well, and, the good and, news... and literally, listeners, you don't even get like a flashback or a, 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 a cut to nothing. You get no depiction of those realms in 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 continuity. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, Mouse Rinks shows up and shows Clara to the engine room. And Captain Phillips, look at me, look at me, look at me. I am the Nutcracker now. Convinces Mother Ginger to overflow overthrow why is that so hard to say overthrow sugar plum fairy uh, and we get the clowns again yay uh. Uh, here's it's, i'm just saying if your side is the same side as the terrifying russian nesting clown dolls are you sure you're on the right side i just i don't eh. anyway yeah no, no I, again i'll stop here for a second captain cash you make an excellent point the movie's visual language tells you those clowns are creepy and unsettling and you shouldn't like them. So it's difficult to understand that they're actually helping because you still <clears throat> you still feel uneasy about them, even when they're quote unquote good. Let me reiterate my point that the Tin Soldier Army is useless because these six clowns get through all of them. Absolutely wreck them. All of them. All they do is roll like the fat kid from Hook. That is their main move, yeah. is they roll at you. So so, so here's my question, Thunderous Wizard. Once you've seen the capabilities of the clown posse... Um, Insane? No, they're, perhaps, entire, they're entirely sane. They're entirely sane, clown posse. Why has the ginger snap lady not already wrecked everyone with her clown army? Because... You just mentioned they defeat the ten soldiers. Well, the ten soldiers weren't a thing until like ten minutes ago. My brain is so. Not the I like those clowns. Why aren't those clowns just wrecking everybody's shit from day one? For all intents and purposes, the the kingdom which sits at the center of the four realms has no standing army. Helen Mirren has a giant robot of herself and the killer clowns from the fourth realm. She could have conquered them and been like, "Listen, this bitch has got to go. She's the evil one." Let's put her in the shrink ray right now. 
bing, bang, boom, it's over. And then they party with the weird clowns and, you know, do other things. But so, so the way the way I look at this, basically, this is a World War Two allegory. The Sugar Plum Fairy is clearly Nazi Germany. And then uh, the fourth realm and, and the clowns, that's clearly America. And it wasn't until the Japanese tin soldiers poked the sleeping giant that that we had to come over and wreck everybody's shit. Is that basically what you're telling me? I feel like that's a stretch at best, but I appreciate the effort. At any case, uh, Clara manages to shut down the engine so they can't make any more evil tin soldiers. Uh, and Mother Ginger comes to her aid with a whip, which uh, on the bingo board of fetishes, Helen Mirren with a whip is like 1A. It's pretty close to the top. And and it's not just Helen Mirren with a whip. It's Helen Mirren with a whip whipping Kira Knightley. I just, it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> like at, at some point, I feel like Joe Johnson was like, "Listen, we got to give something to the dads who are going to be watching this thing." So, um, you know, maybe maybe you let uh, Helen Mirren whip you, Kira Knightley, and maybe just mo- moan, not 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 <laughs> ecstatically, but. Yeah, walk the line. You you understand? Sort Ready, like, set, action. Yeah, sort of like a a, a muted uh, discomfort. Like yeah, uh, uh. <laughs> like maybe you liked it, but you didn't. But you but maybe you did. But, but it might have, it might have awoken something in you. <laughs> this is this scene is called "Teacher a Lesson, Mrs. Tingle." <laughs> <laughs> oh. So while all this is happening. Clara manages to look at the the engine and pull just the right things to reverse it, just like she did with Drossel, with Drosselmeyer, so that when Sugar Plum gets the upper hand and she is going to turn uh, Mother Ginger into a toy again, the machine points at her, zaps the Sugar Plum Fairy, and she turns back into a lifeless porcelain doll. Uh, and then, for whatever reason, that also immediately stops the faceless CGI army. I hated that part. Yeah, it doesn't and, actually make And, and we, we call that the Avengers. Yes, it's the old, the Avengers. Yeah, the attack of, or the uh, Phantom Menace or the yeah. any other movie that has ever had the autonomous robot army that cannot operate without its master. This movie sucks. <laughs> so, good news. The war is over. Yay. And the movie's almost over, too. Woo. Yay. Yeah. So after she is restored peace uh, among the four realms with the destruction of Sugar Plum, uh, Clara promises to revisit the realms in the future, uh, says goodbye to Philip. She returns to London, where time has hardly passed uh, since she left. Uh, she and her father reconcile, and they dance uh, a dance, which, again, still feels super creepy. I don't want to yeah. linger on it. As her, as her dad angrily stares in the distance in a gazebo, she shows up. He's like, where the fuck have you been? You were supposed to dance. Yeah, basically his facial expression is, where have you been? You embarrassed me in front of all these people, you harlot. Yeah. So, uh, Big misfire. Big misfire. Claire opens the music box, uh, and it plays Pas de Deux, a.k.a. The Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy. AKA the song everyone has heard from this ballet. Uh, and Claire's father tells her it was the first song that uh, he and her mother danced to. And they danced through the night 
and end of the movie. Well, and yeah, it was super weird. It, it, it really ups the ante on the weird there. And then, if you stayed for the post-credit scene, it's when her father and Drosselmeyer are eating them out of meat pies that Drosselmeyer has baked in his super weird oven in his super weird lair. Actually, the post-credit scene is is a ballet that goes for about I think it's six or so minutes, and it's very nice. Which again feels tacked on because like, yeah, it's based on the ballet. We gotta have some ballet, right? Nah, whatever. Again, it's very forced. Ballet yeah. again. Oh, don't forget this movie's about the Nutcracker. In case you didn't know, because again, not to tread on this ground too hard, there's no fucking Nutcracker. I mean, there there's a Nutcracker because they told us there was a Nutcracker, but. All right. Well, we're going to take a brief break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to get into what we thought of this movie more so than I think we already have uh, and some other fun questions as well as the trivia challenge. So uh, we'll be right back. And welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops. As we are discussing the Nutcracker and the Four Realms, we just wrapped up the plot summary uh, now let us jump into our favorite part of the pod. How many beers do you need to drink to enjoy this movie? I'm going to kick it over to Chumpzilla to begin with. How many beers on a scale of six do you need to have an, a good time with this film? Oof. Well, I don't think it's actually possible to have a good time with this film, regardless of the number of beers you drink. But to get through it comfortably, I'm going to give this five beers. Um it's not like not the full six, not the full six. It's not that long. And it is um, at times visually interesting. And I'm a sucker for that. Uh, and there's just enough weird Kira Knightley to make you curious, I suppose. Yes. But I'll also admit that she's also relatively unattractive in this movie, which is strange. Uh, but yeah, I mean, five beers and they're mostly just, you know, maintenance beers. You just gotta kind of buzz your way through it because if you if you bog down at any one point, you'll never make it out. That's fair. Thunder's Wizard. Okay, so I'm about on the same page. It's all painful beers. There's nothing to be enjoyed aside from the Polichinelli uh, Russian nesting doll clowns. Uh, but the six beer, which you have to shotgun, comes when the Nutcracker is talking to the to the mouse and says, I don't speak rodent. And then you think to yourself, you've been talking to this mouse for the last 20 minutes. Well, that's not fair. Maybe the mouse understands English. The mouse understands Nutcracker. It's fine. I This movie's dumb. It's, it's so oh, dumb. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, so, so dumb. It's painfully dumb. Six beers, but you got a shotgun at least three of them. Now I'm changing it. Three shotguns. And three regular beers. And then you also have to take your head and slam it through a wall the moment the dad comes back on screen because you have to sit through that uncomfortableness. It's awful. I hate this movie. That is fair. And again, I'll cut in to say what really kills me here is that this movie does stray from the source material to such a degree that there's really no reason they didn't do it you know, something better with it. Like they weren't beholden to anything. None of these bad decisions they made were required by the source material. They were just completely wholesale decisions that these movie makers made. They, they weren't required to make it this bad or dumb. They could have done something better, but they didn't. And they nope. reshot it for 32 days and it's still a tire fire. 
All right. Mary so what Pete. you're saying is we should get the director's cut. Hashtag give no. me the no the, the, the nutcracker no. cut. Hashtag no. Google the the ballet and watch that. Yeah. All right. I, 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 I'm ping pong in between five and six. I mean, like we were talking about earlier, that at least this the final third, if you will is somewhat interesting because there's a little bit of story to be told, but even still, it's not a great story. And these, again, are all pain beers. These are not enjoyment beers. These are not sitting with a buddy making jokes about this movie because it's bad or it's good. It's just so meh and unnecessary that, like I said, it took me three viewings to get through and I wasn't allowed to drink during those because I couldn't. I was either at work or laying in bed at four in the morning, which seems to be an inappropriate time to start drinking. Um, Not for but, this movie. I mean, if this was like, if I had no kids and this was a five o'clock, let's watch this movie and go, I'm probably going to chug six. God, well, God. It, yeah, I want to actually rescind my uh, earlier rating. I think this is like... We don't recertify. You said five, it's five. No, I'm saying you should probably pound six before you start watching this movie and then have five more. To Mayor McCheese's point, like it's not, but that's not going to make it a better movie. It's just going to make you fall asleep during it. And yes, you wake up and yep. you watch. You like, like, and you might forget like, some of it. Well, no, like T.W. said, you just Google the Nutcracker and some sort of famous ballet uh, orchestra, whatever, and you watch that instead. I, I think anything you can do to prevent this movie from becoming imprinted into your memory is probably for the better of your your life. I stand so, by. You don't have to do anything alcoholic to make that happen. This movie you, is boring enough. You'll watch it and then forget about it in forty-eight hours. And that was the that was the my problem point. Is you want to be sure, like, though. You want to be sure none of it sticks. So just don't don't leave it to chance. Make sure you erase this from your memory. And that was the problem on like making sure I at least had enough mental memory to talk about this tonight. Is because I watched it and then the day after, my wife was like. What's your podcast about again? I was like, oh, fuck. Um, it's a Nutcracker movie. I just watched it. <laughs> like, And I was like, and then I had to sit there and like literally think through what happened and what I was upset about. Because I was like, I forgot it immediately after I finished it. Well, listen, it sounds like you guys are mostly on the six. I, I, I think this is a five beer movie. It, it's a five pain beer movie for certain. But I also get the sense that if you really like ballet or you really like the Nutcracker story, maybe this could be a four. I mean, it, at the end of the day, it's a kid's movie, and it, it's not good and it's boring, which is its greatest sin. I, I'd much rather it be a tire fire and weird than a tire fire and boring. Yeah, but, and, that's, and that's the thing. Like my, I think all of my... Uh, recommendations this month are going to be hollow or uh, holiday movies to watch with young kids because that's kind of what I'm going through right now with quarantine. I wouldn't want to watch this with my kids. They, they no. would not enjoy this. Nope. They'd be like, "Can we go watch Mickey Mouse Christmas?" Because this sucks. <laughs> mm-hmm. no, which, which I think is a really weird thing about this movie because you compare it to Cats, which is another CGI heavy, you know, bizarre movie. Effectively, uh, at least Cats is somewhat memorable, and they're like it's entertaining. This movie doesn't have any of those charms. So that kind of brings us to where I think you all are going to say what I think it's, did this movie deserve the flop? I feel like it's a resounding. Yes. Yes. From you guys. Yep. Yeah. It's yeah. derivative of bad Disney more. movies. 
I mean, the only thing I I, I would yep. say though, like Aladdin and Lion King and that fucking uh, what the Beauty and the Beast movie all made like a billion dollars. Yes, but the, the inherent flaw in that argument is those are beloved animated movies in Disney's vault. And this yeah. is a niche ballet, not niche, but for children, this is not like children are not like clamoring to see the Nutcracker. So it's a lesser known property that they, you know, uh, whatever you want to say, I guess, you know, Gus you dollied up for this generation. And it's not like a relevant story to most kids now. So why would it be a hit? I have no idea. Well, so it's a public domain property. And to your point, uh, Thunderous Wizard. I don't think most children of today are familiar with the ballet, which is the most famous adaptation of this material. And to that point, this movie strays so far from the source material, it's not even like a purist would enjoy it. it it's its own awful monster. But so is Frozen. What does Frozen have to do with Han Christian Andersen's The Ice Queen? Frozen well, almost, is Frozen's almost nothing, an animated though. movie with a lot of catchy songs, which is yeah, how Disney yeah. movies thrive. Like, the key difference there is they didn't, they didn't, they didn't lean into the source material at all with that. They leaned out of the source material for Frozen. This one leans into the source material. Oh, and you, you said at a certain point they're not beholden to the source material at all. They checked the box that went Nutcracker Mouse King, but, and then they went, fuck it, uh, I don't know, Tin Soldiers and Four Realms and whatever. But, I, I'm not yeah. saying this movie deserved to make a billion dollars. I'm saying that this movie should have made 250 been an easy payday and moved on. Ugh, there's zero star power in it. What? Zero star power? No, this movie's it's right got Helen Mirren fucking... Not bankable star power, but <clears throat> we talked about it. This is Narnia. This is Tim Burton's god-awful Alice in Wonderland. This is Oz the Great Powerful. It's the same story being told with, with different... You know, inspirations. It's it's garbage. It's it's a it, this movie's a total waste. Of course, it should have flopped. Because yes. you're taking something that's awesome and is very beautiful and poetic, and you're turning it into canned garbage. This movie sucks. I can't. I, it's it's again, so creatively bankrupt. I I'm again. I I always go back to. Yeah, I get it. I get that the finished product sucks. But if I'm I'm a Hollywood executive and I'm green lighting this film and I'm going, okay, we're going to get three to four really bankable classic actors that people will immediately recognize. We'll get a young ingenue who has been in a very fucking famous film. Sort like she of. was in, she was in interstellar, right? Well, I mean, again, and she's in twilight, but she's not in twilight Yeah, Right. But still, Interstellar is that the one with Sandra Bullock? No, that's uh, Gravity. Jodie Foster. That's uh, yeah. Contact. No, it's the Jodie Foster one for sure. Yeah, <laughs> nailed it. Uh, it's actually called Flight Plan. Same thing. I think we should move on to the Wait, is that the Nicholas Cage? Not more right. interesting than yeah. anything else. Okay, okay. So you guys think it flopped? I, I think there was a chance it just failed. I, I want to ask you guys if you could make one change to improve the film. One one change that maybe fixes it, Mayor McCheese. What is it? I already said it, and then I'll say it again. If you just 
if you take the ballet exposition dump and move it to the front and change a little bit of the story afterwards, at least we know what's happening. And we're not spending the first 45 minutes being like, all right, this is fantasy land. We'll just wait to see what the story ends up being. Yeah, no, I I like that. All right. I'll say it very quickly. Remember how Disney Plus recorded Hamilton and then released the musical Hamilton? And it was super popular and it was probably the most streamed thing ever. Just record the ballet, have high production value. That's the nutcracker. That's the story I would like to see. Not this piece of shit. It would cost $100 million less at a minimum. Exactly. They spent way too much money on this movie for no reason. For no reason. Well, they also have as much money as they want to spend on anything at any time. Well, sometimes, you know, a lot of Disney original properties seem like good ideas uh, at the time, and they're not. Uh, What was the one with George Clooney? Future Warland. Tomorrowland, Tomorrowland that's it. right? Yeah, which that feels like this too, right? Where you get a young girl goes into a, a crazy, you know, fantastical realm. You get over to Chumpzilla. What's your one change? Well, since Mayor McCheese basically stole mine, I'm just going to say the only other thing that could have improved this movie is that if it had had Vin Diesel's bloodshot show up and murder everybody in the first 15 minutes and saved us all from this awful, hundred percent watching that. Yeah. <laughs> I also mentioned earlier. I want to and you know what? The dad now. deserves it. I just want the dad to be creepy enough for that first 15 minutes that we enjoy his death. I, I also mentioned earlier, I want to swoop back in now and drop this in. But if at some point in time, Jack the Ripper shows up in this movie, That's then a good I'm point immediately too. interested. Because uh, you know he's he did. straight up gut the sugar plum fairy because she's clearly a whore. Jack the Ripper's the dad. He was there the whole time. <laughs> oh, no. All along. Oh, All along. Now this makes a lot more sense. <laughs> I my only change that I would make is that you make London drabber, right? Like we we talked about this where the transition from Drosselmeyer's lab, especially where he's got a fucking skeleton of a whale hanging from the ceiling and a owl he can literally talk to. And it's it's so fantastical that when she walks into the room and oh fuck, it's a uh, you know it's fairy tale Narnia land that you, there's no transition. Like yeah. there's a reason wizard of Oz starts in black and white. <laughs> You're a hundred percent correct. There's no real, even for the audience, there's I mean, like for the character, there's no transition for the audience. There's no transition. She's just used to weird shit. Yeah. It, it seems to be very commonplace. And here's where I'll also make a contemporary comment. This isn't a, post Harry Potter world. So I think there's a little bit of that Harry Potter logic going on here as well. Like, I feel like, again, to speak to the creative bankruptcy at play here, they're like, Hey, let's just do one of those Alice in Wonderland, uh, wizard of Oz, Harry Potter, you know, like there's just all this like fantasy garbage. They tried to crib in this and none of it feels original in this movie. So I guess this is this is a follow up question and hopefully doesn't lead us too down uh, too far down the rabbit hole. Disney's not dumb like Disney knows how to make shit tons of money. So where in this movie process did they just I mean, did they just commit and they're like, we're making this thing. It's going to make money. Did someone just misconstrue this movie coming out and making money like 
they don't usually screw up too many times and it, they don't screw up too many times in a row. And like we said before, 2018 was, there's a couple on the board and they don't right. do that. Well, I, I think again, in this case, they were like, okay, we're going to make a Christmas movie. We're going to take the fantasy angle. We're going to Harry Potter the shit out of this. It's going to be awesome. I mean, did they just get in too deep where they're, I mean, and you guys might know the background on the reshoots and all that. Did they already, I mean, did they commit to making more than half the movie? And they're like, hey, at least we're going to make our money back. Uh, they made a more artistic film, from what I could gather, that probably fit more with the inspiration. And they said, this doesn't have enough action. It isn't straightforward enough. So they reshot it for a 32-day reshoot is is a large chunk of time. It's significant. That's, that's significant. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now, thunderous wizard. Am I to assume that's basically the last thirty minutes of the movie? Is that what we're I don't talking know. about? I don't. I really don't know what they reshot. I haven't found that much out about it. But as much pretty... as Disney does not fuck up, they also don't let you know when oh, they yeah. fuck up. Yeah. That, so. that is, they buried they're, this. They're movie. hush hush contracts. You'll never know what they did or didn't do to try yeah. to make this thing make money. Because what I will say is that that last third of the movie, the tempo picks up and the action picks up, and that's the only indication to me is that is probably where they made the changes. Oh, I mean, th this movie is theoretically co-directed, but unlike Which... a lot of the other Frankenstein movies we talk about. With the exception of the last 30 minutes, you don't notice that here at all. Well, no, and it feels natural. Like, the tempo picks up at the end because it turns into, a, like, a war movie. Whatever they yeah. did, I think they were being generous to Laos Halstrom because if you reshoot 50% of the movie, which certainly this feels like, uh, they still gave him a co-directing credit. Even if it's 30%, you can get onto, onto the credit you that you directed the movie and this feels really weird this is like a superman 2 thing where richard lester came in and directed a bunch of stuff for richard donner but it still felt like the richard donner movie i don't i can't tell because i, I just don't know like i don't know enough about it but this movie has no clear focus and that's clear so yeah all right so let's get a little bit weirder with the questions uh kaiju battle because i fucking love kaiju uh Mother Ginger's Circus Tent versus Mechagodzilla, Voltron, a Mighty Morphin Power Ranger Zord, or a Jaeger from Pacific Rim. Which one does she take for sure? Let's go to Chumpzilla. Oh, she's totally taken out one of the Jaegers from Pacific Rim or whatever you just said. But no, I, I would like to actually That's false, see. But I'd like to hear why. No, no, I've never seen Pacific Rim and I never will. Don't, um, oh, don't do it. Uh, it's we're terrible. totally we're gonna watch Pacific Rim on Rocket this product. Arm. Fucking love that yeah. movie. No, what I want to see though, I would like to see uh, Godzilla just wreck this shit out of Hell of Mirren. Well, hold on. Hang on, let me rule thirty four. As, as that. a Megazord, Megazord. Thank you. Hell of okay. Yeah, like please. Godzilla thank you. wreck. Yeah, because yeah, no, come on. Godzilla is the king of all monsters. We all know this. That's a fact. Well, it's Mecha Godzilla. Market. I'm, I'm deferring, I'm deferring oh, oh. my. I'm deferring my vote to Thunder's Wizard because I don't know enough about giant mechanical fighting robots. Here's here's what I will say. Uh, considering the uh, clowns from hell were able to defeat a larger chunk of the army, no problem. Yet Helen Mirren's uh, traveling circus tent of doom couldn't best them, even though all it had to do was swing its arm back and forth. Uh, she can beat none of those things. None. 
here's what I would say. Both Voltron and the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers stuff is part is piloted largely by children. So, you know, crazy clowns and a bunch of mice kings. I can see is how that would freak out the pilots enough that they couldn't pull through. Well, if you There's factor no in, way they're taking down Leopardon. If you factor in the Mouse King, oh, I mean Spider Man. What are you going? Spider Man's going to wreck that thing. They're getting into all sorts of gears. Uh, not Mechagodzilla because I mean that was built by aliens and the technology is way beyond the mouse's comprehension. But certainly uh, the Megazord and uh, Ultron and Voltron, 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 not Ultron. Yeah. Yeah, Voltron I'll take, I'll take uh, would be Voltron in a little bit too. of trouble with the Mouse King and his uh, Sandman-like ways. All right, so before we jump into trivia, I got one more question. If you could use the engine, you have the engine, the machine turns toys into real life, what is one of your toys you would pick from childhood? What is it, Chumpzilla? You know what, <clears throat> Captain Cash? This might be my favorite question ever asked on the pod. And I really appreciate that you went this way because it's a good reference to the movie and it's a great question. Um, and I'll tell a short story here. AMC, are it, you listening? Get yeah. me to host stuff. Yeah, exactly. This guy knows what he's doing. This is right? a great tie-in to the, to the movie. And it's a great question. Um, as a kid, I have one really weird memory. I have a toy I received, I think, for maybe like my, I'm going to guess maybe like my fourth birthday. My grandmother. Please let it be my little monster. I, I did get one of those, but that came later. My Damn. grandmother got me a Mego Spider-Man. And he came in a little, that's the 12-inch Spider-Man Barbie with the cloth suit and the red rubber head. Huh. Uh, I'm a little bit older than the rest of the pod. Um, yeah. This is like a 1978-79 toy, but you got to remember that the cycles for merchandise were much longer, you know, uh, 50 years ago, <laughs> or whatever that is now, like you know, you know, 40 years ago. Um, so in like in 1985, my grandmother got me this Spider-Man doll, and it was a 12-inch tall Spider-Man. Might have been eight. Actually, I don't know. Mego sizes changes. And I always thought it was Mego, M-E-G-O, but it's Mego. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But I lost my shit when I was presented with this because it came in a small box with a cellophane window. I thought Dr. Octopus had trapped Spider-Man in the box. <laughs> and I was panicking. Like, we have to get him out. Like, Spider-Man should not be in this box. He needs to be released. He can't breathe in there. And then that doll lived with me, that action figure, excuse me, lived with me for like the next four years. We were inseparable. And I love that thing to death. My mom and my grandmother restitched the suit on it because it was a cloth suit that it wore. If I tore it, we're playing. Uh, the insides were held together by rubber bands to help with the, the flexibility of the <clears throat> torso and whatnot. My dad had to replace those with shoestrings because I just played the hell out of it. I love that thing. So... If I could bring a toy to life, it would be my Mego Spider-Man because he and I were best friends. I think that's brilliant. But if you bring him to life, you realize he's the meme Spider-Man, right? Oh, yeah, totally. He, he is the 60s Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. We're pointing that's our fingers at each other right now. But, yeah, I love that thing. It was awesome. Nice. Thunderous Wizard, what's your bring it to life? Okay, so this is tough because my favorite toys as a kid were really G.I. Joes. But if I brought those to life... They would just kill each other, and it'd be a mess, and it'd be terrible. Nah, I mean they'd probably shoot at each other like 
Well, never. Yeah. I guess nobody ever really just, died in GI Joe. Just the lasers, right? Except for Duke yeah. before the rewrites. So. Yeah. But, yeah, that's it's tough. But when I was a kid, I was really attached to Winnie the Pooh, and if I could yeah. have my own Winnie the Pooh, like Christopher Robin did, it probably would have helped me in a lot of ways, and I'd be less angry than I am now. If I, oh, <laughs> I had a father! To talk to. This got way deeper. I yeah. I really assumed you yeah. would have said Ray Fillet the whole time. I mean, I'd have yeah. bet money on Ray Fillet. But the thing is, like, this I had went, so many sideways. Ninja Turtles, you know. So, I would like a poo. I'd like I'd like a, a friend. Oh, fair enough. A uh, cuddly, this... stuffed with fluff. Yeah. All right, I, thi- I think Cheese. this is I think this is where I'm also struggling because there's not like there's not one Chumpzilla toy that sticks out in my mind when. Me and Thunder's Wizard were little before we had an abundance of video games. We we did a lot of action figure battles. And I remember we set up my entire family room in like G.I. Joe battles and X-Men battles. Like for some reason, the only toy in the X-Men series that I loved, I don't know if I'd want to bring it to life, but it was like my favorite was Omega Red. Oh, yeah. And I love it. I Omega know a Red. dude who does a crazy Omega Red. And yeah, like Omega I, Red is real life. It's great. I don't know no, why I, you're talking about the Toy Biz X Men figures, yeah. Mary Cheese, and that was an awesome action figure. That Omega Red was sweet. I, I don't know why, but that always sticks out in my mind. We used to have these big old like family oh, yeah. room wide battles, and I don't know. I'd like Omega Red was my favorite of favorites. Yeah. But if I'm gonna bring one to life to hang out with, I'm gonna probably find a like a Hulk Hogan or somebody oh, <laughs> and bring them to life. So that's a good like, one. Oh, I mean, like, well, one of the, the bendy Hulk's ones gonna lift in the basement and then drink some butt do, do you remember that hulk hogan i had he was the hollywood hulk hogan that if you like twisted his arm yes. you go oh yes. my arm yes I, <laughs> it was the nwo cloth hogan and like if you if you impacted a certain part of his body he would be like ah my arm or oh my leg <laughs> i'm changing my answer it's definitely the nwo hulk hogan we'd have to have a conversation <laughs> about his racism but after that, I think things would be good. So I'd like what to talk to you about why he was used as a tool to destroy Gizmodo, but that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What do you got, uh, Captain Cash? Listen, there's a single answer for me. All of you are wrong. It's two words. Battle cat. Cringer? A cat. Well, I mean, I, I feel like I get both. Yeah, Maybe. okay. No, that's fair. No, both, yeah. both, both, both. It is a giant tiger I can ride. I'm not sure you could master it. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I have the power. I have the power. It's still debatable. I mean, He-Man has the power, but I'm not so sure you could do it. I think it. that takes us into trivia. All right. By the power of Grayskull, <laughs> I want Battle Cat in real life. Into All trivia. Right. All right. So, gentlemen. For trivia, I've got five questions, multiple choice. Ordinarily, we chime in with an iconic line from the movie, but I've got nothing. Uh, I'll solicit choices. What do you want to chime in with? Can I eat my own hair? I still (laughs) want to say I am law. Uh, Not feeling any of those. What do you got, Thunder's Wizard? The four realms. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Just just shout nutcracker. We're good. Nutcracker. You, you must dance with me. Can we shout <laughs> cockknocker? <laughs> Don't disappear. You owe me a dance. It, it's a funny story. <laughs> All right. 
So, number one, this is not Richard E. Grant, who played Shiver Region of the Land of Snowflakes, first time in a Nutcracker movie. What role did he play the last time? Was it A, the Nutcracker, B, the father of the heroine, C, the Mouse King, or D, the same character, though it was called the Snow, Fli- the Snow King, as there was no realm of snowflakes. The four realms. All right, giving it to the Thunderous Wizard. He was the Mouse King. That is incorrect. Son of a bitch. The four realms. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to keep a straight face to this quiz, but all right. Yes, Mayor McCheese. Oh, D? D? No, it was not. All right, so over to Chumpzilla. Your options are the Nutcracker or the father of the heroine. Which was it? Dance with me, daughter. I think it's the father of the heroine. It was the father of oh, the Oh, creepy. Yes. <laughs> I doubled down on the creep factor and it paid off. Yeah, he's usually a villain, so I kind of figured he'd be the Mouse King, but in the end, he was the worst of the villains. He so. was the worst villain of all. <laughs> oh, gross. Uh, okay, <laughs> bonus point. Bonus point open to the table. What was the name of that movie? The Nutcracker. You, you gotta chime in. You gotta, you, you gotta chime in. That was me chiming in. No, it was not the Nutcracker. There's a little bit more. I need more than just the Nutcracker. The Nutcracker, the movie. Backdoor Fun, Volume Five. All right. The answer, unless Thunder Wizard, you got nothing. The answer was the Nutcracker 3D. Oh or, yes, yeah. That's or a thing. the Nutcracker, the Untold Story. Which starred Elle Fanning, yeah. Nathan Lane, and John fucking Turturro as the Mouse King, changed to the Rat King for that film. Wait, uh. hey, hey, help me out here, Thunderous Wizard. Um, is there not a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles character like the Rat King or there King is. Rat yeah, the Rat or something? King. Yeah, the Rat King. Sewer oh. Rat, something. That's a GI Joe. Wait, no, no, Tunnel no. Rat. Sewer Rat is GI Joe. Tunnel rat. The Rat Tunnel King rat. is absolutely a character. Yeah, in T- the Rat TMNT. King. What is your point? So, so my point is, John Turturro was basically a TMNT character then. He's the Rat King. Yeah, in yeah. a lot of ways. Maybe. Okay, cool. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, second question. Nobody fucks with the Rat King. The Mouse King. Number two. The film is set in London. Where was the story originally set? A, London, B, Russia, C, Germany, or D, Paris? The Four Dance Realms. My daughter. I'm going to give it to the Thunderous Wizard. It was Germany, right? It was indeed Germany. Germany was the answer. Uh, technically, I, I, Prussia at the time. Yeah. Jump Zill, I thought you had that. that. I need a booth review on that. Moving on. So, All right. At what point in time does the story conquer Czechoslovakia? <laughs> and the, and then right Poland, after, and right then... after the murder of Franz Ferdinand. Yeah, yeah. Number three, the name of the protagonist of the story was changed from the story to the ballet, with one being Clara, the other being Marie. Which name goes with which version? Was it A, Marie was the protagonist of the story, Clara the protagonist of the ballet, or was it B, Clara was the protagonist of the story with Marie? being that for the ballet the four realms oh over to the thunderous wizard a it was a a yeah yes that's correct because and they, smartly i think the film references this 
Marie, the mother, was there for whatever the 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 creation of the four realms was, yeah. with her daughter Clara yeah. being there for the the next move. Yep. All right. Number four, the Sugar Plum Fairy was originally meant to have a sidekick. What was the name of that sidekick? Was it A. Dewdrop? Was it B. Treacle Taffy? Was it C. Peppermint Patty? Or was it D. Judge Fudge? I am the law. All right, we're gonna pass it. <laughs> De- I mean, I'll count it. I will count it. Mary McCheese. I'm only saying it because I want it to be Judge Fudge. It is not. <laughs> I, yeah, I figured you'd say that. I to fucking love Judge it. Fudge. That's definitely <laughs> from uh, the the Drawn Together cartoon show, which. Judge Fudge. I'm no, I, I wasn't. I wasn't aiming to win that point. I just wanted to use the chime in and answer that. Uh, Fair enough. Can you repeat that? <laughs> <laughs> you are chaos. I am chaos. <laughs> Do you want sweets and amusements? I am sweets and amusements. Judge Fudge. All right. Uh, the remaining choices are Dewdrop, Treacle Taffy, or C. Peppermint Patty. I am the Judge Fudge. <laughs> All right, Thunderous Wizard. It's Dewdrop. It is Dewdrop. Wow. Wow. I'm not wow. going to lie to you. I, I remember the time I, think... I had to take in a uh, treacle taffy sample from my dog's vet visit. <laughs> it's not good. It's never good. <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, it's not necessarily over. We could we could Pretty still close. tie it up, but it uh, it is looking like it is going to the Thunderous Wizard. All right. Fifth question. Multiple possible points you might win. This is far from the first time Kara Knightley and Matthew McFadden, who plays the father, have appeared on screen together in an adaptation of classical literature. Which of these movies did they star in together? More than one of these is correct. Chime in once. Do you need more than one or just one? Uh, So you chime in once for, for an answer. Chime in again for a second. Okay. 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 Your answers are A, Little Women, B, Sense and Sensibility, C, Pride and Prejudice, D, Pride and Prejudice with Zombies, E, Anna Karenina, F, War and Peace, or G, Jane Eyre. I am Judge Fudge. I'm a sugar fairy. Ooh, giving it to uh, Thunderous Wizard. Uh, Pride and Prejudice. Pride and Prejudice is correct. There's one. Mm-hmm. And uh, can you repeat the other ones <laughs> real quick? All right, so the remaining answers are Little Women, Sense and Sensibility, Pride and Prejudice with Zombies, Anna Karenina, War and Peace, or Jane Eyre. The full round. balls, McCheese. I mean, technically both Thunderous Wizard (laughs) and and Chumpzilla chimed in at the same time. There's not three realms, there's four realms. Chumpzilla did not use the four realms, so I'm going to give it to the Thunderous Wizard. Sense and Sensibility. That is incorrect. Wait, the four realms. You you don't get to do it again. You you failed out. All right, so this is down to Mary Oh, I'm not ringing in. This is down to Mary McCheese, who has zero. It's, It's Jane Eyre. And, and can I just say, can I just say Jane Austen and be done? I've, like, I've already Austin, won. Right? Like I've created my army. No, won. no. So, all right. The correct answer of those remaining. No, give us the remaining ones. Come on. I want to guess. The remaining ones were Little Women, uh, Pride and Prejudice with Zombies, with Anna Karenina, Four Zombies, 
and Jane Eyre. The I, correct. I, I'm going to go with Little Women. That is that incorrect. Is correct. Because she's not in either Little Women. She's not part of the four Little Women. She's part of the four realms. <laughs> the correct answer was Anna Karenina. The, the correct is answer is. Uh, it, it's a it's a Russian novel adapted multiple times into film, but so <laughs> is that Anastasia? Anastasia? Ana, whatever. No, it's no you know Karenina. it's that song. Anna Karenina. Anna, that's so long. Oh Sorry. no. <laughs> so to be fair, Kira Knightley is in Pride and Prejudice with zombies, as well as Pride and Prejudice, which I think counts for something. But Wait, is she also a... in Jane Eyre? <laughs> she's she's also in Underworld, right? <laughs> Evolution, mm. yes. She was in Underworld with zombies. <laughs> who, who wears leather pants in those movies? Uh, that She's is. She's in Underworld. Kate Beckinsale. <laughs> That's the one. Wait, those are different. No, people. wait. Yes, uh, yes, they are. Oh. One dated Neela Pete Davidson. So, so what's Kira Knightley in then? Other than um, the, the pirate movies, She's not the chick from. Uh, again, Underworld? Pride and Prejudice. Pride and Prejudice yeah. with zombies. Anna Karenina. Here's something that's going to blow your mind. Oh, I thought she was so, the chick. He was also in Love Actually, in, another in, Christmas film. Oh, my yeah, God. Love that's, one. That's, that's the not Christmas, Christmas one I was movie. trying to think In Love Actually, she's only five years older than Liam Neeson's son. In yeah, Real in Love Ronda. Actually, she's like 17 and a yeah. half, barely. <laughs> Get, digest so, that. So, real real question here. Um, and that's, know, isn't that Chiatoel Edgewafer? That's, uh-huh, yeah. that's Baron Mordo. And Andrew Lincoln. From the oh, Walking yeah, Dead. That's right. God, that guy's creepy in he, that film. He's British, yeah. He's very uh, creepy. Very so, Chumzilla-esque in that film. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> so, hey, let me ask a legit question here about this movie. Is it about the this... Four Realms? All right, hang on. Listen, first off, let me award uh, Thunderous Wizard. Congratulations. You are the winner of, of the Four Realms. Trivia. Of the four Realms. You will be receiving a bag of of the Sugar Plums Fairy's hair, which you are welcome to eat however you choose. Nothing. My nothing hair pies for everybody. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't wash it. It'll just evaporate. That's a bummer. Dissolve. Yeah. Or you could drink that water, however you okay. want to do it. So, so now that we've got the Merkin out of the way, um, <laughs> is this technically a Christmas movie? No. Yes. Because I know we're talking about holiday movies in the month of December, and this is definitely Christmas themed in the sense that it's the Nutcracker and it's the ballet, and there's sort of some Christmas themes. But at the end of the day, did this feel like a Christmas movie? Because to me, it did not. Die Hard is more of a Christmas movie than this is. There's more yeah, so, shit to do sure. with Christmas and Die Hard than this, which opens at Christmas, then she goes to an alternate dimension. Then returns to her abusive father, who's probably drunk and ready to mingle. She would not. <laughs> oh, God. She would not have gone. There would not have been a party. She would not have received a gift. She would not have found the key. Were that not all set at Christmas time? But there is no Christmas in the Four Realms, as far as I know. My point is, it still counts as a Christmas movie. We're bouncing into recommendations. All right, my recommendation this week is another beer-based pod, which doesn't match with the Christmas theme, but it doesn't matter. Hop Nation USA. Uh, These dudes know their beer. They have fun news and updates on what is the latest in craft brew. 
We were recently on their pod. I think it was last week or the week before. Uh, definitely check them out, and we're hoping to have them on our pod once we complete this whole Christmas thing. So check them out, Hop Nation USA. Yeah, true story. Those guys were awesome. That was a fun time. All right, Thunderous Wizard, what's your recommendation? This My recommendation, because Last Hellstrom, I feel, has been unfairly maligned throughout this podcast because this movie is indeed terrible, but they took the movie away from him, so I don't know how much of the movie is his, so I'm just going to quote the movie I'm recommending. Good night, you princes of Maine, you kings of New England. My recommendation is The Cider House Rules. I really enjoy that movie. I think it's a very good movie. Michael Caine, Tobey Maguire, uh, Charlize Theron. It's it's a very good movie. It was nominated for Best Picture long, long time ago. I, I think yeah, you'll enjoy that's, it. That's pre-Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire. It is pre-Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire. It's a good movie. Uh, I, I highly recommend it. And just All remember, right. folks, reproductive rights are human rights. That is true. That's a big theme of the movie, yes. All right. Mayor McCheese, what is your recommendation? So we're going to spend this month doing uh, holiday movies that flop. So I'm going to do some holiday movies that don't flop. And tonight my recommendation is to go back and if you have, well, this is mainly if you have kids. If you have kids, young kids, go back and watch Home Alone. Um, I just, Oh, shit, I did that tonight. Yeah, so did I. That I hits just, way different as an adult. Yeah. Way different. Like, it, Home Alone, it's like my kids loved it. Or, you know, the two-year-old is snapping. The four-year-old thought it was hysterical and just kept asking me what booby traps were and if it's the same as mommy's boobies. And I was like, no, that's, we, get, we oh, need no, to get past that. Oh, no, you're trouble. Um, but I mean, she, yeah, yeah, mommy's boobies are way more fun. She, she, Never mind. She she ended up loving the movie and like wanted to watch Home Alone too and I was like eh, Trump's in that one so let's wait, uh, but I, like rewatching Home Alone I love fucking Home Alone I really love Home it's such a good movie like from tip to tail there's nothing wrong with that movie and if you have on fucking like, candy right yeah and well polka, and if polka, you have kids polka. It, polka King of the Midwest yeah you never heard of polka 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 um. Like and if you have kids, like this is the right, this is the perfect season for me. Where I, well, I actually win it twofold. Where I get to hang out with my nephews who are now allowed to watch Die Hard, and my kid is now old enough to understand like Home Alone because before this she's just watching all cartoon movies, so now she's watching like Macaulay Culkin, but she thinks it's hysterical. So I'm recommending Home Alone because I love Home Alone. I certainly think that movie's worth a rewatch because it, it is a classic and it is most definitely a Christmas movie. Um, and I think we're all of the same age. Did we all close enough at this point? Did we all see that in theaters? Because I did. I, I don't remember when I first saw it. 100% I saw both Home Alones in theaters. Yeah. So here's the crazy thing that I think the listener will probably not understand. So that was a Christmas movie. I think it came out like probably in October or November. Um, you could still see that movie in theaters the following Easter. I saw that movie for the third time in theaters Easter weekend with my grandma because it was still in theaters. That's how popular that movie was. That was the thing that used to happen back in the 80s and 90s. If a movie hit hard, it just stayed in theaters. It just it just didn't leave. 
you know, stuff didn't cycle out like it does now. So Home Alone was so huge. I watched it before Christmas twice. And then for fun, for shits and giggles, I watched it again Easter weekend with my grandma. Well, I mean, it's not hard to be a hit when it's John fucking Hughes. On on the side of uh, it was the, Chris Columbus. Yeah, John, yeah, Chris, John Hughes yeah. wrote it. John Hughes wrote it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He was involved. People yeah. did not think it was going to be a huge hit. It was a big gamble. And if you want to know the behind the scenes of Home Alone, watch the movies that made us on Netflix. Uh, that's part of the first four. It's part of season one. They just did Elf and they did Nightmare Before Christmas. But it is really fascinating to learn like the behind the scenes of Home Alone. Yep. All right. So last recommendation. Let's hit it. Okay, so uh, I think, especially with the trivia question you gave us tonight, <clears throat> Captain Cash, <clears throat> I think we should probably all take the time to watch Marvel 616's episode on Japanese Spider-Man. Ah, uh, yes. So if you can, if you, it's on Disney Plus. There's like a series of like you know mini docu episodes. Uh, about various Marvel characters. They and have properties. a cosplay episode. I'm yeah, they have a cosplay episode. But the first episode, and, and of course the 616 is in reference to the main continuity Marvel Universe. Um, <clears throat> they, the first episode focuses on the Japanese Spider-Man. It's a very interesting story. There was a live-action Spider-Man show that was marketed exclusively in Japan. And it introduced a lot of elements uh, that became mainstays in Japanese entertainment moving forward, namely being the giant robot. Yeah, it. I mean, it didn't invent the idea of a robot kaiju, but but it pushed it in a way that was that was different. And so you had these Super Sentai shows, which is what here in the West we'd call the Power Rangers, right? They didn't have giant robots until Spider-Man had the giant robot Leopardon. So basically this introduced, because these are all the same flavor of entertainment uh, uh, in Japan at the time. So that became a mainstay of these shows, thanks to Spider-Man, thanks to Japanese Spider-Man. So that's why you have your Megazords. It's because there was a Leopardon in Japanese Spider-Man, and it's a great... It's a great story. It's very interesting. And uh, yeah, I had never, I, I was aware of this like vaguely, but it was really cool to see the full story and understand how Marvel got involved in Japan and how, you know, the property was handled and how it worked out. And, and yeah, it actually had a very lasting uh, impact on, on, on Japanese television. So it's cool. Check it out. Marvel 616 Japanese Spider-Man episode. It's the first one in the series. Check it out. There you go. All right, well, that's it for this edition of Hops and Box Office Flops. Thanks again to Evil Genius for making a excellent beer to enjoy with this terrible fucking movie. Uh, again, that was the I'll Have What She's Having. Uh, and thank you to the listener for listening. What'd you think of the pod? Leave us a review on iTunes. Please remember to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Leave us a comment on what movie you'd like to hear us talk about next. Tell us what toy you from your childhood would like to see made into a real thing. All right. And that is it for the pod. Uh, as always, you can find us at hops and bo flops. You can find the thunderous wizard at writer TLK. You can find Chumpzilla at Chumpzilla eight Merrick cheese at MC McCheese. Wait, what is it? HBOF McCheese. 
There it is. I drink. That happens. And as always, I am C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most of your social media. Next week is Santa Slay. Join us then. I'm eating my own hair. It's delicious.